Hello, welcome to another Bare Minimum Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Zokel. And uh, let me just tell you, okay, alright, okay, alright, okay, listen to me, alright, okay? Bears? Packers? Not good. Alright, that's all I'm saying. Bears are not a good football team, folks. I'm just going to get that right out of the way. I know I typically start the whole entire podcast going through negatives and then going through positives and doing the star players of the game and everything, but after this last game, there's really no positives. If I had to give a positive, it would just be, what, Cairo Santos, he made a field goal and he made his extra point kicks. That was cool. Yeah. I mean, that was neat. Pat O'Donnell, he kicked some cool punts. That's pretty neat, too. But those are pretty much the only positives. Other than that, this team, capital S, sucks. Right, folks? I know I'm not a big numbers guy. I know that's kind of tongue-in-cheek. But even with the change back to Mitch Trubisky, it just wasn't happening. I think the Bears were once again scoreless in the third quarter. And like Mitch is so apt to do, he only turned it on really in the fourth quarter when the defense was playing to give up as much yardage as possible just to waste more time. I mean, I don't know where to go. Honestly, with this team. Mitch starts. There were some throws that looked good, but I mean, he he's just the classic... It's just classic Mitch. He was overthrowing receivers. He had that one terrible interception that was a bomb for the, for the Packers' safety or DB that was caught. He had a terrible fumble that was returned for another... for a touchdown. A fumble six. Fumble six? Fumble six. Fumble six? I don't know what to call it, but either way. Not good. Just really bad. And that's, it's just, it sucks that uh, no matter who the quarterback is right now, that the it doesn't matter. I mean, I've, I've if you go to the Chicago Bears subreddit, when Foles came in earlier in the season, everyone was hyped about him. Everyone was defending him, saying that he was going to be able to run Nagy's offense. And then it turns out our offensive line sucks. It's devoid of talent. We have tons of in- tons of injuries, so that has a that has a part of it. And all of a sudden, Foles got gets injured. It's kind of per- performing the same just in different aspects instead of being mobile he's just a statue in the pocket and he's just also inac- inaccurate at times he'll sometimes throw a really nice pretty spiral down the field and it'll be caught other times he'll have tons of times in the pocket set his feet launch it downfield, just launch it, and it'll be an overthrow. Very similar to Mitch, except Mitch can run around more. He's faster at running around. 
and it was really sad to go to see Bears fans try and talk themselves back into believing in Mitch Trubisky. Now, Mitch Trubisky, the man, seems like a good guy. He does everything correct that you would want a quarterback to do. During the offseason, he was getting training from a quarterback coach who was also training Patrick Mahomes. He was training with receivers. He was doing everything that you want to do. He, he read a book that I'm reading currently called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. It's actually quite a good book. It's a, uh, I guess you can, you could classify it as a self-improvement book. But he was really trying to find anything to get any sort of edge on anybody, really. And he was doing that throughout the whole entire offseason. He came to camp. He competed against Nick Foles. And apparently he won the starting job. Apparently short enough to win the starting job in front of Nick Foles. And he got to start the season the first three games. We all know this. We all know the story. And if we really did, if we really look at those games, you can kind of predict where we are now from those games. In hindsight, of course, I know hindsight is twenty twenty. It's a cliche, but it's really just a good barometer to see just how it was so predictable. I mean, in the first game, the Bears pretty much didn't do anything for the first three quarters, and we. One, by the miracle of the Lions running back Swift dropping a pass in the end zone. I mean, could you say Trubisky performed well in that game? Yeah, you could say he performed well in the fourth quarter, but in the first through third quarter, not really. He took sacks, and he just he, he won by the skin of our teeth. Same thing with the Giants game. He was good in the first half. It was like the opposite of the first game. He was good in the first half. In the second half, not so much. And then, of course, everybody knows what happens in the Falcons game. He's playing for the first half. He gets benched from Nick Foles. Nick Foles has that incredible comeback. Everybody thought that our year was saved. But the thing that struck me was to see... The stark difference between how fans saw Foles perform in the Falcons game and then immediately jumped on that bad bandwagon. And then as soon as he was performing poorly, they went back to believing in Mitch. I mean, that's a concern for just Bears fans in general. You already know what Mitch is. This is his fourth season. And I don't want to hear people talking to me about how if he was underneath a different coaching scheme, that he would be able to perform better. I don't know how Mitch can perform better because it's like, I, I'll i backtrack a little bit in terms of just, I can see why Pace drafted Mitch. He has everything that you want in a quarterback. He has mobility. He has a pretty good arm. He's not like a Patrick Mahomes level arm and he can't and you know he's not rocketing it like Josh Allen or anything but he has a good enough arm to make all the throws 
mobile. Uh, he's a seems to be a good leader. He likes. I remember reading that he was um, when he first got drafted that he was studying a lot of elite quarterbacks and how they led their team. I remember him studying Tom Brady in terms of how he would talk to guys on the sidelines and interact with them and everything. And he was really just, he was doing everything that you would want somebody to do. It's not like a Jamarcus Russell where he just didn't care about, you know, playing or he just didn't care about learning. If anything, you could fault him for caring too much. Maybe he's a nerd, you know? Maybe he's a big nerd. He reads too much, you could say, maybe. But, I mean, that's obviously, a, you know, that's a joke. That's a ha-ha funny. Without anybody, without a co-host, there's no one to laugh at my really bad, shitty jokes. Takes. So, you just have my voice. I have to explain it to you, which everybody knows that when you explain a joke, that's when it's really funny. So. But, I digress. He has the traits, physical, but I think the innate traits, he just doesn't have, and I don't know how a coach could coach him to become better in those traits. First trait is his accuracy. It's very inconsistent. He can throw deep balls, and sometimes it's like the perfect dime pass. We've seen it in the first week with Anthony Miller. He dropped a perfect dime pass to take the lead. And then we'll also see passes like in the Packers game. He'll, he'll chuck it, just rip it. And it's an overthrow, and it's an interception. I mean, we've seen this every year. We've seen them even e either underthrow or overthrow running backs on screens. I mean, those are those should be automatic plays. I don't care what the situation is. I mean, it's like it's it's a simple play. Those needs to be completed, and those need to be easy catches for your running back or receiver to to catch and everything. And I mean, of course, the shitty thing, too, is that Ryan Pace, his second QB behind Trubisky was Patrick Mahomes, and the single single thing that made him pick Mitch, apparently, was his uh, attitude of being humble, of apparently seeming humble, which goes, I know the whole entire Toyota Camry thing is quite joked on and memed on. But apparently that was a very big factor, which is reminiscent of, to do a kind of a parallel, reminds me of a Phil Emery, of when he could have hired Bruce Arians. And now I know you can talk about Bruce Arians in terms of if he's a good coach with how he's de dealing with the Buccaneers, but he would have been, would have been way better than Mark Trussman. I don't know if anybody remembers, but Emery, he made Bruce Arians do a mock uh, media interview for as a part of his hiring process. I don't know 
any other GM that would have that would try to prioritize for a head coach to see how they handle the media. I mean, yeah, of course, handling the media is a part of being a head coach, but to have it being a deciding factor in who you pick as a head coach is an important factor of the team, of course, and it just kind of speaks to the ineptitude of the Bears franchise as a whole. And so, once again, we see it in a different form with Pace. He gets the guy that's kind of a kind of a nice guy, I guess you could say, over somebody else who might exude more confidence. And I don't know what it is with how some people see confidence as being a bad trait, as almost being cocky or something. There's a difference between being confident and being cocky. Being cocky is to me is you have the confidence without any really uh, without without a backbone. But confidence is you can back up what you're talking about. And then there's, of course, the the classic pace talking about how he wants to be able to, he wanted to be able to draft a quarterback in every draft if he could. But he hasn't. He's only drafted Mitch in a draft. I don't think he's drafted anybody else. I mean, the quarterbacks from free agency that you could see him bringing in is Mike Glennon and Nick Foles. And both have not panned out. And if we look at the other quarterbacks that he was rumored to have wanted, that also doesn't really paint a pretty picture. He reportedly wanted to move up to draft Marcus Mariota and Carson Wentz. And I guess Carson Wentz, you could say up until this year, might have been a good pick, but... This really showcases, I'm not exactly sure what Wentz is doing. He's throwing some picks that I just don't even understand. That maybe not, that Mitch Trubisky doesn't even throw. If I'm being honest. And he's getting sacked. Just, he just loves getting sacked. You know? Loves it. Craves it. I was going to say, he doesn't crave it, but you know what I'm talking about. I mean, he's just... He sits back there. He sees a guy running at him. And he's like, well, this isn't the worst thing. So, you know. But yeah. Bears-Packers not good. And so now it's, I mean, so negatives. I mean, if you want to talk about negatives of the Bears-Packers game, I know that was kind of a long intro, but I mean, the defense has given up on Matt Nagy and on this team. Maybe even on Chuck Pagano. When Vic Fangio left, I kind of I, I like the the Chuck Pagano hiring. It seemed like a pretty good move in terms of just trying to find a uh I mean, it's hard to be able to find a replacement for Vic Fangio when he's such a good defensive coordinator. And how he kind of built the Bears defense. Every year, you know, it got better and better. But I feel like Chuck Pagano has done a fairly decent job. Maybe not as many takeaways as, you know, we're accustomed to, but I don't think he's a bad defensive coordinator. I think it's just the defense has seen that the head coach and the offense are inept and are unable to aid them in any sort of way. I mean, 
tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like if the Bears offense was able to get, I mean, even just like the league average of points, that they would be, the defense would be able to play a lot harder and people would be able to have an easier time criticizing a defense if they were actually performing bad consistently. But up until this Packers game, they've been pretty much the only consistent thing other than the special teams that has been good about this 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 Bears team. And the Packers game, they just broke, especially after a bye week. I think Matt Nagy has never won a game after the bye week, which is purely on the coach. I mean, it's you're not preparing your players and you have an extra week to do so and to come out that flat is inexcusable period it's just inexcusable to come out that piss poor now if the bears lost a close one you know maybe you know they win by a field goal or something you know that's one thing but to come out just getting absolutely blasted on defense and having the offense be absolutely inept not able to do anything until pretty much the fourth quarter. I mean, the score makes it seem like, you know, the Bears actually kind of put up a, a fight or something, but it really wasn't. It was just the classic Bears getting points in the last fourth quarter because the defense had to revert to taking, you know, bend, don't break principles and trying to just run off as much time as possible. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, Mitch was had three touchdown passes two interceptions, and a fumble. It's not a good performance. At all. That was the first, I mean, one positive on offense, Montgomery got a game over 100 yards rushing. I'm not even sure if he's even had one until the Packers game. He had that one giant rip of a run, and then it seemed like he just vanished off the field, and play calling decide to, you know, give another running to Cordero Patterson, because that's what the Bears' offense does. bad i mean the only thing that Nagy really had left going for him was that he could he was keeping the team together in terms of he was at least making them fight during each game he could at least get them prepared and amped up and ready to go and during that game it Clearly, clearly shows that's it's gone that's gone I don't think the defense really cares about this season anymore we've lost what five straight right and the defense has never shown improvement I mean I guess you could say you know you don't want to root for losing, you want to root for winning. But at this point, I mean, I just don't think the Bears' defense really cares, and I don't think the offense is going to get any better with Mitch, even at the helm. I mean, one big thing that everyone likes to point out is his mobility over Foles. But, I mean, even he has... Even his, just because he's just because a quarterback's mobile doesn't mean that they can evade sacks easier. In Mitch's first two and a half games, he was sacked seven times, and those were the defenses of the 
lions, giants, and falcons. And his passing attempts during those two and a half games was 86 attempts or so. Now, if you look at Foles in his first two and a half games of the season, so Falcons and then the Buccaneers and the Panthers, and you could debatably better defenses than Mitch's two and a half games, he was only sacked four times, and he doesn't have anywhere near the mobility that Mitch does. And I think the reason why Mitch is getting sacked gets sacked is because he has poor pocket awareness, he has a tendency to just run right into defenders, and he has a tendency to also hold onto the ball way too long, which results in sacks. So just because you can see one pro of a player doesn't mean that pro immediately results in you know less of a negative in terms of sacks. So just because Trubisky can run better, has better mobility, doesn't mean that he can automatically evade sacks easier. You have to look to see if you can actually evade a sack first. If you can actually run away from it. I mean, yeah, I guess he could run for first downs and stuff easier, but, I mean, he hasn't really done that the past two seasons. His longest run was during the Falcons game, and he got pulled from that one because he threw an interception to, to a defender that was, like, ten, like five yards with in front of him, like ten yards in front of him or something like that. I mean, it's just pathetic, really. So, yeah, Mitch isn't the answer. And I don't think when, you know, the season's over and he gets released from the team and if he gets on another team, some people were talking about him being the next Tannehill, and I don't think that's even possible. Because Tannehill at least threw over 4,000 yards in the season, you know? He actually showed some type of promise. Mitch, he's kind of a basket basket head, basket case, you could say. He can talk the talk. He can say everything right. He can do everything that's needed in the offseason. But when it comes to the actual playing time, when the lights turn on, it seems like he just, he has like stage fright. He kind of forgets all of his training, forgets everything that he was taught. And he just reverts back to his college days. And he has, you know, terrible feet in the pocket. Terrible pocket awareness. He turns over the ball. And it just seems like it's like a big mental thing. And I guess you could say, I mean, this isn't even a knock. I mean, could maybe sport a sports psychologist help him out? Something like that. I know there is a... Seahawks wide receiver that went to go see one and apparently after he saw a sports psychologist his play greatly improved and there'd be no shame in Mitch going to see sports psychologist psychologist because it seems like he has all the talent needed but it's the mental aspect of the game that he's struggling with it seems like he has all of this pressure on his shoulders and he doesn't know how to handle it. And he feels like if he makes one mistake, that that's it. It feels like he, to me, look when I watch him, it seems like if he makes one mistake, he can't recover from it. And everybody knows that when you're a quarterback, you know, you need to have a short-term memory. I know everybody jokes about that. But if you throw a bad interception, you know, you just have to get back out there and you have to just keep on, on trucking. You have to keep on going. 
and seems if, like if Mitch does one bad mistake, it kind of seeps into his head that like, oh, well, here we go. Once again, you know, I messed up. I just keep messing up. I can't get any better. You know, this is all my fault. You know, I mean, he's a good teammate. His teammates, you know, love him. He never throws anyone under the bus. He always takes responsibility. But I just think he just can't get over the mental aspect of of the football game. And, I mean, you know, you can tweet me at Berezokal, like I've said in all my episodes, but every time I... It, I don't know how you, how you would fix... Fix me. Excuse me. Jeez. I just burped. You didn't hear it, but I burped. Sorry about that. Tweet me to see how would a coach even improve Mitch Trubisky. It seems like his problems are innate. And I'm, I mean, how do you make a quarterback more accurate? Honestly, how do you do it? You can't just say, hey, throw the ball better, bud. And expect it to be like, oh, cool. Well, <laughs> that fixed the problem. Easy. No, you can't do that. How do you fix pocket awareness? How do you fix just, I mean, it's one of those things that's like you either have it or you don't. I mean, it's easy. You can, you can, you know, do target practice. It's like, I mean, I would assume it would be like hunting, right? It's like you can practice on a stationary target all you want in a controlled environment but once you go off for deer hunting season and you see a live animal and your adrenaline starts pumping it's like can you control your nerves enough to be able to take that shot and i don't think mitch can i think he can do everything in practice perfectly fine but when it comes to the real thing i think he enters a different mind space and he just or a different headspace i guess and he just can't perform in the way that he expects himself to and i think it's just it's a natural human thing of course it's like well once you perform well you have start having self-doubt once you start having self-doubt you kind of start making excuses for yourself saying well you know no one should expect me to be performing well because they already think that i'm bad so it's okay if i perform poorly because that's what was expected of me So yeah, it's just really a sad state of affairs for the Bears' offense. And of course, all of this starts at the very top of the Bears. The whole entire ineptitude of this Bears franchise. Maybe I'll make another podcast going deeper into this whole entire scenario, but the ineptitude of the Bears' drafting starts way back with Jerry Angelo and then on to Phil Emery, and then on to Ryan Pace. And the sad thing is, Ryan Pace has been probably the Bears' most consistent GM. I know Angelo drafted Tillman, and Forte, and Briggs, and Tommy Harris, and stuff like that, but, I mean, in his nine years, he had over 80 picks. And if you, that's way above average, right? So it's like, say if you, say if, if he just had seven picks every year for nine years, he would have 63 picks and he had over 80 picks. 
And when you see the hit rate of all those picks, he had around 20%. And, you know, with Lovey Smith, he I, to me, he stayed far too long. Some people like to have those rose-colored glasses on and say, like, oh, man, if, why did we get rid of Lovey? I mean, his last season was 10-6, and six, folks. What's so bad about 10 and 6? Yeah, he missed the playoffs on a tiebreaker. But he was a good coach, right, fellas? And no, that's not true at all. I mean, if you look at 2012, he we started the season 7 and 1 and then we ended the season 10 and 6. Once again, we started the season 7 and 1. And we ended 10 and 6. Jay Cutler started 15 games. And Jason Campbell only started one. He played in, I think, six. But still, I mean, the defense was also, they had 44 takeaways that year. There was only one game. They didn't even have one, they didn't, that they didn't have a takeaway. And we somehow, after starting seven and one, couldn't win more than 10 games. And so, Lovey Smith obviously failed, and then because Jerry Angelo, he wasn't able to draft the successors of Erlacher or Briggs or Tillman, or you know have a good offensive line going in, um, you know going into transferring from Angelo to Emery. And then with Emery, I mean, you can even look at him. What the players that are on our team are now. Fuller, Leno, Pat O'Donnell. Um, I might be forgetting somebody. Fuller, Pat O'Donnell, Leno. Yeah. I think that's it. And then, of course, they had Kyle Long and Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, that, those were the other, other two. Kyle Long, he unfortunately, I mean, he was a good good pick. Unfortunately, his injury his injuries added up, and he had to retire sooner th rather than later. Then Alshon Jeffrey, we let go, which I thought was the correct call. I mean, he helped the Eagles with their Super Bowl win, which is nice. But ever since then, he's been injured and non-existent. He's pretty much been, you know, the Alshon of the Bears. So, and he had about twenty picks. And he pretty much only picked five players that were NFL ready. So his picks weren't even, his hit rate wasn't good either. And so when you have Ryan Pace, his first round picks, yeah, they've been shoddy. You could, you know, Mitch is, is a bust. Kevin White, unfortunately, a bust after being injured every year of his career I don't even think he hasn't a touchdown yet he's on the Niners he doesn't even have a touchdown yet and that's sad and then you have uh, Roquan Smith which I've mentioned in previous episodes he's been performing very well and Leonard Floyd who's no longer on the team who is having a decent year at the Rams and that's all fine and dandy because Ryan Pace signed Robert Quinn in the offseason. However, Robert Quinn isn't performing well. And we paid him a lot of money. And he's not performing at the level that, you know, he needs to be. 
but the thing is, it's still Pace's drafting in the mid rounds is where he's making a lot of good decisions. You know, we have Eddie Jackson. He's able. He was able to draft. I'll just include players that he was able to draft, whether they're on the team or not. He's able to get Krakowski in, in later rounds, Adrian Amos in later rounds, Eddie Jackson in later rounds, Jordan Howard in later rounds, Tariq Cohen, Cody Whitehair, James Daniels. This past draft, he was able to get Jalen Johnson, who is immediately starting as a second-round rookie over Prince of Mucamara. And then he was also able to get Cole Komet, who I think is just being underutilized in the offense. I think he's being more used in the run game. I might be wrong on that. If I am, let me know. But I feel like he's just not being used for his full capabilities. And then, of course, we have Darnell Mooney, who has been... I feel like if he was on any other team that had a quarterback like the Chiefs or maybe the Steelers, I, the league would know about him. But right now, because the quarterback play and the play calling is so poor, no one really knows how, just how good Darnell Mooney is. So in a year that Pace had no first-round picks or no third-round picks or fourth-round picks, he was able to probably get around three players that might be solid starters. And that was just from this year, which I think, I mean, there I saw some reports saying that Pace is safe for the year. And I saw other reports saying that, I'll get this into a little bit later, but that Mc, George McCaskey was quote-unquote pissed off. And if that sounds familiar, that's because we heard the same exact thing in 2014. Um, that he's, yeah, that he's apparently pissed off and that no one is safe. But then there's also reports saying that Pace has made you know has become a buddy buddy with with the family so who knows i guess we'll find out in january but that's what's frustrating is i and i don't think i see some people talk about how the mccaskies really only care about the money but i don't think that's true i think they care about the bears and they want them to win but it's just unfortunate that they don't know how to do that Plain and simple. You know, we, we had the 2014 Virginia was talking about how she was mad and how, um, I mean, they're doing some correct things. I remember a report saying, talking about Ted Phillips, how he's not really involved in the football area. I mean, who knows how true that is. And they even brought in Ernie Accorsi when they were doing their GM search, because I think they realized that they don't know how to find a GM. I think it's just they have this team that they inherited from, you know, their their father, George, George S. Hallis. Um, and, you know, they're not going to give it up. It's a historical prized possession of the family, and they want the team to win. I think they do. I mean, some people have called them cheap, and I mean, they're not cheap in any means of the sense. I mean, they just completed a whole entire redesign of Halts Hall. I mean, they pay free agents like Mac. You know, they got Brandon Marshall, Jake Cutler. I mean, they, they do make big money splashes, but I think what is damning is that they just aren't football smart. And of course, that starts at the top, and I see tons of people talking about how they 
you know, the McCaskies needs to sell the team. I mean, they're not going to sell the team, fellas. I mean, they're just not, unless it's some divine miracle. But, I mean, typically owners that are in charge of a million-dollar, billion-dollar business don't just sell it away. Now, that's not to say they can't make changes. I think they do care. I mean, that's why they, like I said, hired a Corsi who did a, a GM search for them, who gave them candidates like Ryan Pace, Chris Ballard, and like two other people. And some people are saying that, you know, they wish they wouldn't, they would have went with Chris Ballard. But I remember specifically some other people talking about how they didn't want Chris Ballard because they just thought he would be another Chicago Bears yes man. Because he had previous experience with the Bears. You know, the Ryan Pace hiring back then was well received. No one really said it was a bad hire. I mean, to the credit of Pace, his deep round draft picks have been able to perform. But what's damning is his head coaching picks and his quarterback picks, which are rather important, which is unfortunate and then the thing that worries me is that I don't want the McCaskies to see Pace's failings and then think well you know we went through all the different you know levels of trying to find a GM we got a consultant we listened to him we hired one of his suggested people and it still didn't work out so what do any of these consultant firms know? I mean, they technically picked wrong, so I mean, I guess we should just start picking. That's my worry, is that they'll think that going to consulting firms or other people, you know, is useless, and they'll just start picking GMs again like Phil Emery. I mean, the only way that I'll really get excited for future rebuilds is if they remove Ted Phillips or reassign him to a different position. Because there's no reason why he should be the president of football operations. He doesn't do anything other than money stuff, really. If he was just moved to like an, like a head accountant, like the head money guy, sure, but like if they don't do if they just keep him i mean he's been here since levy smith and you know before and the owners aren't going to be going away but i mean they can remove ted phillips so i mean if they just fire pace and naggy again they go through the whole entire thing of trying to find another gm i'm afraid that's just going to be another thing the gm might be now there's the report, I'll backtrack a bit, now there's the report that apparently they didn't hire Chris Ballard specifically because he knows that there's problems within the organization, specifically Ted Phillips, and the Bears brass didn't like that, and so they didn't hire him. And they hired Pace instead. And so it's just this whole entire situation's upsetting because it's it's like can an old dog learn new tricks and that's really what you know that's to be seen because we haven't seen it for this whole entire you know being of a bears fan 
in my my opinion. And almost, they're almost too. You know, there's a fine line. You don't want to be just be firing off GMs and coaches every year or two, like the Browns did, because that's not going to help anybody. But I mean, in some instances, you need to. I mean, Pace has been here for six years. We only have one playoff game to show for it, and we lost. So yeah, it's kind of disappointing. I hope that they can see, you know, the other Chicago teams that finally realize that they need to start winning, like you know the Chicago Bulls did just this past season, and the Cubs and the Hawks, Blackhawks that is. So, to some extent, the White Sox, but with you know Tommy Larusa, who knows? I and mean, you know we won't get into that. This isn't a baseball podcast. But yeah, that's where we are with this. Bears continue to squander a championship-level defense. The offense is going nowhere but down. And we're going to be hitting restart at the end of the season. I'm hopeful that, you know, they can, the McCaskies can finally figure it out. That they take, you know, a no-holds-barred level of just redesigning the whole entire infrastructure of, you know, the football operations. But, you know, that's yet to be seen. So, that's it for today's podcast. I'm Steven Zokel. You can find me at Bear Zokel on Twitter. That's B-E-A-R-Z-O-K-A-L on Twitter uh, outro music is by 8-Bit Jazz you can find his channel on YouTube or hers, I'm not sure who it is but, you know, they make nice music in, in that 8-Bit kind of video game type of tone um, you know, feel free to tweet tweet at me or DM me on Twitter, be happy to talk about the Bears, you know and of course, you know, whenever there's a Bears game I'll be live tweeting them and you can uh, interact with me there so I hope to see you there. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Have a nice day.